This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. restaurants in 50 states, five foreign countries, with an annual revenue of in the neighborhood of $700 million. One word, persistence. One of the things that inspires me so much about Ray Kroc is that even though his ascent to the top of the heap came at a time in life where most men would be thinking about retirement, as Michael Keaton recites it in The Founder, he did one crucial thing that made success inevitable. He was a serial action taker. This is an abbreviated explanation and analysis of the McDonald's story, a story that encapsulates the American dream and reminds us as entrepreneurs the kind of guts that it really takes to succeed in the game. Kroc lived in a state of continually searching for opportunity. He was always looking for that chance to step in, to step up, and to discover something unique. He had tried multiple enterprises prior to discovering McDonald's, often without much support from his then wife and in the face of mockery from those around him. But despite those early duds, he did not give in or give up. And this point cannot be overlooked. All of the most successful entrepreneurs I have ever come across have that one thing in common. They search for opportunity at every stop and they take radical action when it strikes. When they began their burger joint out in California in 1940, brothers Dick and Mac McDonald did not go into business with the expectation of expansion. At the time, Ray Kroc was just a ho-hum, down-on-his-luck, milkshake machine salesman out of Des Plaines, Illinois. He was led out to California because the McDonald brothers had ordered one of the milkshake machines that Kroc's company sold, and he was out to deliver it. Now, when Kroc laid eyes on the McDonald brothers' operation in San Bernardino, he knew it was special. He'd never seen anything like it. The energy, the excitement, and the efficiency especially. So he asked the brothers out to dinner to pick their brain. He listened in as they described how this little burger hut with undiscovered upside potential came to fruition. After several tries at other business models, the McDonald brothers explained how they wanted to create just a single location restaurant that could pay their bills. Nothing crazy, nothing big, nothing major. The key differentiator though, of their little operation was the Speedy System, a food preparation setup that would later become a common standard for fast food. But the amount of work that went into creating this symphony of efficiency, well, it took a while to map out. We were crazy. And you were gonna love how we did it, Dick? You gotta tell him. Tennis court? Okay. He brings me out to this tennis court and he's drawn this line, the exact dimensions of our kitchen. Sink on the right, extruder on the left. Bagging and hood. Hood. Okay. Garnish, garnish. This, this is uh, burger finish. Got it. And then this is burger slide. We could just move those. Okay. We'll do mixer soft drinks. Okay. We bring out our whole staff and we have them go through the motions, making pretend burgers and fries. All right, Steve, anticipate that. You got to keep the tray level. Okay. And Dick is running around with this stick, marking where all the equipment should be. Tuck in. 
Tony, are you going to skip the pickles when we're really doing it? They do it over and over, hashing it out, choreographing it like some crazy burger ballet. And it took a while to perfect. But once they got it just right, they'd found something truly revolutionary for the food services industry. A way to reliably prepare and serve food to customers in 30 seconds after an order was placed. I want to move everything. Back to stage left, please. Got it all drawn. This is better. Is that all right? I think so. I guess, I guess, look, let's assume our battle station. Okay, okay. Finally, after about six hours of this, we get it just right. It's a symphony of efficiency, not a wasted motion. Croc immediately realized that there was a few big opportunities hidden within this untapped gem, which the brothers simply didn't have the impetus to exploit. Number one, it was incredibly franchisable. Everything about the speedy system was organized to a T. The brothers had it down to a science. Number two, Croc saw the radical efficiency of the setup and knew that the implications would be enormous when extrapolated to the scale of dozens and hundreds of instances where things could be replicated. Replication would be easy, almost instantaneous and very operationalized. Number three, because of that, there would be very quick time time to fulfillment for the consumer. And the delicious food definitely didn't hurt either. To that point, number four, this solved a problem that people didn't even know they had yet. The concept of fast food really wasn't a thing back then. Henry Ford had just put out the Model T and automobile adoption had really just begun to become widespread around that time. You had highways that were being built out across the nation and domestic road travel was just about to explode. So from a logistics standpoint, Croc had the foresight to envision how travelers and locals alike really would need a friendly neighborhood food joint that they knew, liked, and trusted at every stop. Where the brothers were thinking local, he was thinking national. He foresaw a McDonald's in every American town, and he knew that these restaurants would quickly become synonymous with being an American. After a little selling and convincing on the part of Croc, the brothers sort of reluctantly agreed to let him co come aboard as a partner in the capacity of head of franchising. Their expectation was that he would have the same mindset as them, moving slow and steady, ensuring standards and safety over anything else, and most of all, that he would adhere to the contract that they'd drawn up. But Croc had different plans. He didn't do any of those things, but not because he didn't want to, because he was a purebred, growth-minded entrepreneur, whereas the McDonald brothers, well, they were content to remain small and focused. Both sides here were diametrically opposed, which is why the union ultimately came to a head. Croc was a capitalist ready to go to war with this weapon that he had just stumbled upon. The brothers, they were just trying to make a modest living for themselves with their couple of existing locations, but had no aspirations of expansion into an empire of any grandiose scale. Facing serious budgetary and revenue constraints in those early days, Croc began looking for ways to increase margins and drive more revenue. He requested to alter the contract to allow for more freedom, yet the brothers remained steadfast in their demeanor, unwilling to compromise and unwilling to compromise standards for scale, refusing Croc's requests each time. 1.4 doesn't even cover my monthly nut, let alone drive expansion. Ray, those are the terms. It's not good enough. 
It's almost triple our cut. Well, you should be getting more, too, then, shouldn't you? We are not greedy men. Greed has nothing to do with it. If I had more money to work with... I could be growing this thing at twice the pace. We have no beef with the current rate of expansion. Nothing. Not one location in Pennsylvania. Nothing in New York. All in good time. Nothing in Texas. I have no doubt it'll come. You know, I'm out here breaking my neck for you guys. And you're doing a bang-up job. Well, then I should be doing a heck of a lot better than just breaking even. I don't know what to say. Say you'll renegotiate. I can't. Can't or won't? Upping your cut... It would be unfair to the franchisees. The franchisees are doing just fine. I'm the one that's drowning here. You freely and willingly agreed to the terms of your deal, Ray. Nobody put a gun to your head. Four percent. No. Three and a half percent. Ray. What? No. God damn it. One of the main items that he asked permission to innovate on was to substitute an artificial milkshake concoction called Instamix for the more expensive refrigerated ingredients needed to make regular milkshakes. McDonald's just found a way to save you, me, and all our owner-operators literally hundreds of dollars a year in electricity. And what would that be? Two words, powdered milkshake. I'm telling you, I came across a remarkable product called Instamix. Like I say, it's a powdered milkshake. It's a fraction of the cost of ice cream and requires no refrigeration. Right. I'm telling you, I tried it myself. It tastes just like the real thing. It's delicious. It comes in chocolate, comes in vanilla. Me, I'm a vanilla man. Ray, we have no interest in a milkshake that contains no milk. When we had sawdust to the hamburgers while we're at it. Frozen french fries. You don't want to save a bundle. Not like that. We're talking about the same great taste. Same great taste while boosting the bottom line. It's called a milkshake, Ray. Real milk. Now and forever. I understand. With his hands tied, he decided to take bold initiative, go behind the brothers' backs, and ship Instamix to all his franchisees anyway. Hi, Nick. I just received a very disconcerting call. Oh? From Buddy Jepson, our operator in Sacramento. I'm very aware of who Buddy Jepson is. He told me he received a shipment this morning. Oh, did I? You are way out of line, Ray. Hey, I didn't expect that to get there till Friday the early. Would you mind telling me what you're doing shipping four cases of Instamix to one of our operators? Look, if you don't want to make a profit, that's fine. But don't stop the rest of us. Us. Us, as in everyone but you. Who did you send them to? Everyone but you. You have no right. You are to stop this instant. Is that clear? Nah. What the hell does that mean, nah? You will abide by the terms of your deal. I am through taking marching orders from you. You and your endless parade of nose, constantly cowering in the face of progress. If phony powdered milkshakes is your idea of progress, you have a profound misunderstanding of what McDonald's is about. I have a far greater understanding of McDonald's than you two yokels. What? You will do as we say. Now, you have a contract. You know, contracts are like hearts. They're made to be broken. Ray began clearly recognizing the limiting nature of the deal that he'd struck with the brothers, and he realized he had to make a decision. Either he'd play small and slow as the brothers were, or he'd have to break the contract in the name of growth. Around that time, Croc met Harry Sonneborn, a local financial whiz who serendipitously crossed paths with Croc and offered to take a look at the operation to see if he could help. BJ Novak, who plays Sonneborn in the movie, summarizes the gist of the restrictive situation Croc was trying to figure out 
out how to fix. So to summarize, you have a minuscule revenue stream, no cash reserve, and an albatross of a contract that requires you to go through a slow approval process to enact changes if they're approved at all, which they never are. Am I missing anything? That about sums it up. To me, this is really where things got interesting. Having a strong business acumen, Harry saw the fundamental flaw glaring like a pearl. It was the business model. Franchisee finds a piece of land he likes, gets a lease, usually 20 years, takes our construction loan, goes up the building, and off he goes. So the operator selects the site. Yeah. He picks the property. Right. You provide the training, the system, the operational know-how, and he's responsible for the rest. Mm, is there a problem? A big one. You don't seem to realize what business you're in. You're not in the burger business. You're in the real estate business. McDonald's, as he correctly identified, was not a food company. It was, or should be operating, as a real estate company that happens to sell food. What you ought to be doing is buying up plots of land, then turning around and leasing said plots to franchisees, who, as a condition of their deal, should be permitted to lease from you and you alone. This will provide you with two things. One, a steady upfront revenue stream. Money flows in before the first stake is in the ground. Two, greater capital for expansion, which in turn fuels further land acquisition, which in turn fuels further expansion, and so on and so on. Why put franchisees in charge of finding and buying the land when you can buy it yourself, charge an upfront premium on that land, and generate instantaneous revenue upfront upon signing a new partner? In this case, the bottleneck was not operational. It was strategic. Once eliminated or shifted, the franchising could finally take off. So off the duo went, pitching investors, obtaining business credit, and taking loans for expansion. We'll need backing. I've arranged meetings with investors and financial institutions. From the center of the town, which is the only oversaturated Croc also started taking unofficial ownership of the IP of the company, calling himself the founder of the McDonald's Corporation, using the golden arches in marketing material, and naming his restaurants McDonald's Location 1, Location 2, and so on. This did not sit well with the brothers. I'm looking at a letterhead with the name McDonald's on it. Care to explain? It was confusing. People didn't even know it had anything to do with McDonald's. What's confusing is you calling yourself the McDonald's Corporation. People will think it's the whole company, not just the real estate arm, which we strongly suspect is what you hope. You put Dick's arches on your letterhead? This is not your company, Ray. Mac. Do you understand that? Mac, don't get upset. We came up with the speedy system, not you. Us. What have you ever come up with? Can you name one thing? You can't. And you never have, and you never will, because you are a leech, Ray. You are a professional leech. You know what I came up with, Mac? A concept. I came up with the concept of winning. Let me While talk you to two him. boys were content to sit back and be a couple of also rants. I want to take the jerk. I want to win. And you don't get there by being some aw shucks, nice guy, sap. There's no place in business for polite. That. Business is war. It's dog eat dog, rat eat rat. If my competitor were drowning, I'd walk over and I'd put a hose right in his mouth. 
for Croc, it was either piss off the brothers and scale up or bend over and stay stagnant. It's important to recognize that Croc was not meant to be a franchisee. He was an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs do not make good order takers. Entrepreneurs do not want to follow directions in the way that franchisees are required to do. This is another point that's crucial to understand if you're thinking of becoming a franchisee and one that's pointed out relentlessly in the book I'm currently reading called Become a Franchise Owner by Joel Lipava. If you have an entrepreneurial core and you try to get into franchising at some point, you're going to get fed up. Franchising is best for those who don't mind doing things by the book, who don't necessarily need to have the freedom to innovate, but who are just looking for a proven system with a high probability of success to which they can buy into, follow a plan, and turn a little profit. But that wasn't Ray Kroc. He was an entrepreneur through and through. So he stopped caring what the brothers gave him permission to do or not to do. He knew this business was going to change the world and he became its steward. He and Sonneborn incorporated a new real estate company under which expansion could happen unimpeded and this became the real estate arm of the business, of Croc's business. Have you heard of the Franchise Realty Corporation? What is it? I have no clue. Apparently Ray Croc is president and CEO. Hey, Dick, how you doing? Well, if you really want to know, I'm a Ted Miff. Well, why? What seems to be the problem? Franchise Realty Corporation. What about it? For starters, would you mind telling me what it is? Oh, no, really. Just a little something I created to provide leasing services, you know, lend support to our new franchisees. You know full well you can't do something like that without first clearing it. Now, why would I need to do that? Because as your deal plainly states, any and all changes must be agreed to in writing. Except it's not a change. Excuse me? It's not a change. It's a company. It's its own separate company, which puts it outside your purview. Anything relating to McDonald's is within our purview. Let me explain something to you, Dick. You boys have full say over what goes on inside the restaurant. But outside, above, below, your authority stops at the door and at the floor. All right? Business is not for the faint of heart. You don't have to be mean, but capitalism is not a nice guy's game. Business is war. You can't be concerned with hurting feelings or putting someone else out on their ass in business. That is, if you want to create an empire. You don't build an empire without stepping on a few toes, but you also can't get there without making many times more friends than foes. You'll need partners, backers, and buyers. You need people to opt into your vision and join forces behind you. In addition to being a bad rule follower, Croc was a good recruiter. He knew how to sign new fran franchisees by appealing to each person that he would pitch on the opportunity. To rich folk looking to own passive income assets, he pitched the business as a place to park money. To middle class people, an opportunity to move up the rung. Once Croc had enough momentum behind what he was doing, McDonald's took on a life of its own and the ripple effect just took over. The power struggle came to an inevitable culmination with Dick and Mac. They were frustrated, they were tired, and frankly, they were just ready to be done. And he was taking their baby to a level they simply weren't ever going to be aligned with. He bought out the brothers for pennies on the dollar given McDonald's valuation and that, as they say, was that. On the day of the agreement to buy out the brothers, Mac asked Ray why he didn't just steal the idea and run off. And Ray explained the nuance behind the business and the real reason McDonald's is so special. We showed you everything. The whole system, all our secrets. We were an open book. So why didn't you just steal it? Just Grab your ideas and run off, start my own business using all those ideas of yours. What a fail. How do you know? Am I the only one who got the kitchen tour? He must have invited lots of people back there. Hey, hon. 
How many of them succeeded? Lots of people started restaurants as big as McDonald's. Of course not. No one ever has and no one ever will because they all lack that one thing that makes McDonald's special. Which is? <laughs> Even you don't know what it is. Enlighten me. It's not just the system, Dick. It's the name. That glorious name, McDonald's. It'd be anything you want it to be. It's limitless. It's wide open. It sounds, uh, sounds like, sounds like America. The name says it all, McDonald's. It's pure, it's simple, and it was ripe for meaning to be injected into it by the American public. And as the real Ray Kroc explained, that simplicity is what drew him in in the first place. The sound of it, it sounded uh, wholesome and it sounded genuine, you know? Uh, I don't like these uh, mm, gimmick-type names, you know? Uh, burger this and burger that and... Uh, all that kind of stuff. McDonald's, it's got a nice sounding name. I am obsessed with this story. A story of innovation, of discovery, of equal parts determination and perspiration, of persistence, and of thoroughbred business grit. There are over 13,000 McDonald's locations currently in the United States and 40 grand in the world. The company did $23 billion in revenue in 2021, making it the biggest fast food company in the world. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things. And hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you. And that's it. I will see you in the next episode.